And I just got to tell you, I am so appreciative of everybody who has continued to work through the many hurdles that have needed to be crossed so that we could have live worship as we're enjoying here in this space and that we'll have back at Childs Elementary starting next week. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate you greatly. Let me begin today by sharing a personal answer to prayer. You know, I have shared often that God would put months in advance a specific topic that I needed to preach on or a specific scripture passage because he knew what we would be going through corporately and very often what we would be going through personally. And that was the case because I preached not too long ago on a biblical look at the topic of healing. And as we were starting to go through that, our family was starting to deal with some stuff. Many of you know about this because some of you have prayed with us on Wednesday nights in our online prayer gatherings. Other people have been in small groups. I know Callie is a member of one of the small groups and you guys have prayed about it. But not all of you have known about this. So I'm going to share it with everybody so that you can be praying as well. But Joy had started experiencing some symptoms not too terribly long ago that were a little troubling and it led to some tests and a mammogram led to an ultrasound and then that led to a biopsy. And there was a little something almost undetectable in a gland and doctors weren't terribly suspect about it, but they wanted to go ahead and take one more test because one of the symptoms that was quite unusual that creates a specific evidence sometimes, not always, but sometimes can be caused by a small brain tumor near the pituitary gland. And that creates certain chemicals that get processed in a way that it normally wouldn't. So that was what we were dealing with as I was preaching about healing, which means that God was speaking to us and helping us say, okay, let's not get worried about what we don't know yet because that doesn't help. And so we're going to take it one step at a time. It's a discovery process And it is a process. It's going to take some time. And we were trying to pray, you can heal any way you want to, Lord, because we trust you for that. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Sometimes he says, yes, I'm going to heal temporarily and quickly. Sometimes he says, it's going to be a slow miracle and I will heal, but it's going to take time. And sometimes he says, not this time, I'm going to heal permanently. And so we were trying to pray that through this whole process. Well, we've been trying to pray that way, and most of the time we've succeeded in not being too upset by it. I have to admit personally that there have been some of those long walks where I have struggled with it more than others, but God keeps bringing us back in and revealing to us that He's got everything under control and we can relax into His grace and trust Him. Well, in this case, His answer was, yes. He's going to take care of this because the MRI revealed, drum roll please, that there is no brain tumor. And we're very grateful for that. (laughs) And so now I have visible proof of something I've known for 43 years, and that is my wife has a beautiful brain. She's a beautiful person inside and out, and now I know that her brain is really beautiful too. And then Joy asked the surgeon, because there will need to be a surgery to remove that very small, almost undetectable gland and mass of some cells that are trying to become overzealous, but they haven't become overzealous yet. 
And she said, can I wait until after our trip that we were planning to make, because we've already put it off one year to visit relatives we haven't seen in five years. And she goes, oh yeah, you can take that trip. You'll come back and you'll be rested. You'll be ready to go through this so that your recovery will be better. She said, this is just housekeeping. That's what she called it. So she wasn't terribly concerned that we need to rush in and do anything about it. So really, the answers to prayer are tremendous, and we're really grateful for that. And we're grateful for a God that sees us through every step in all these kind of prayer things that we have to deal with. And I know many of you have dealt with things in your own households, some of them even through this pandemic. And so we empathize with you if you have been going through that waiting period when you're trying to say, what's this going to turn out to be like? So it's really easy for us to say, praise God from whom all blessings flow when everything's hunky-dory, but it's that test of faith when we're at times like these, when we have to say, you know, we really do trust him. We trust him implicitly. And God is proving himself continually to take care of his children. So we're grateful for that. So we're going on a road trip next October, which is like next week. And shortly after we get back on November 8th, specifically, Joy's going to have that surgery to remove that small mass. And while we're gone visiting our relatives, you will get to watch some missionaries. Four out of the five will be in person at Childs Elementary School. I started to say on this stage, but don't come to this stage. Go to Childs Elementary School. And then the other, Pedro Garcia, will pre-record his message because he's going to be involved in something at a different location. So we'll get to watch him on videotape. Five really compelling missionaries, two of whom you haven't met yet. And I think it's going to challenge you, and I get to be challenged later because uh, we get to watch either the live stream or watch it later if we're not able to watch it in real time. Oh, that's right. We're not live streaming. Thank you. That was one of the things on my list to, to have to say. We will not be live streaming in October because there are so many of these missionaries who have to, we have to protect their security because they are in certain areas where it, would, uh, it could be potentially harmful for their work and for them and their families. So we no live streaming in October. We're going to be posting some pre-recorded messages from way back in 2020 when we were streaming from our living room or our, our breakfast table, <laughs> our dining room table. Uh, so you're going to have some of those to watch if you are, happen to be at home and you're not going to be able to see those missionaries. Thanks for that reminder. Uh, We've got a group of guys, a couple of them at least so far, who have volunteered to move our stuff from this building over to Child's this coming Saturday. If any of you want to join in that fun, my mom used to say, if we put the word party at the end of it, it turns it into something great. So we're going to have a moving party on Saturday starting at 11 a.m. You can meet at the back door, the loading dock door behind this building. And if you don't know where that is, just text Jack. He'll, he'll find you. So we'll need some extra hands to help get that over there. The school has been very helpful with us, and they're going to be providing a truck to help us get the stuff over there. So going to be back to where we started 18 months ago. Won't that feel familiar? <laughs> well, I mentioned uh, several weeks ago when I swapped places with Pastor Scott Winstead from Crossroads and Adrian, and he came and preached for you guys. We both even though we had talked a little bit a few weeks before we preached for one another, we had talked a little bit about what our churches were going through and some of the challenges that we were facing and whatnot. And we both agreed that what we really wanted to do was just sort of hit the reset button 
by getting right back to basics. Because neither of us wanted to return to normal, whatever normal was. We want to return to God. And we want to return to our main mission. And we want to return to something that ignites us and fans the flame with the Holy Spirit fanning the flame of a zeal to reach outsiders who become insiders, the lost who need to be found. We want to rekindle that mission in all of us. So unity is the way forward. And that's what I'm going to speak about today before we go on our little trip uh, to visit relatives. I watched Scott's message because it was recorded and I saw that he touched on a couple of the same points that I was making at his church, and it did my heart good to know that we are like-minded that way. And because I've had prayer with several other pastors in our area, all of them, to the person, agreed the same thing. We want a fresh wind and a fresh fire to blow through our congregations. And we want that to happen in a way that's natural and organic, and that's Christ-centered, and filled with compassion so that we're unified around our common mission. So today, I'm taking us right back to a basic message. Most of the thoughts are coming from two passages that I preached on before. That would be Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Paul the Apostle gives us a lot of these thoughts. And let me begin by reading Romans 12, 3 through 5. That's a good springboard into the message for today. For by the grace given to me, says Paul... I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think with sober discernment, as God has distributed to each of you a measure of faith. For just as in one body we have many members, and not all the members serve the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually we are members who belong to one another. Now, you are Christ's body, and each of you is a member of it. He says that, 1 Corinthians 12, a little bit later, verse 27. So we are each a member of this body. And then, let me uh, do verses 4 through 7. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different results, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. To each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. And then I love this part, the second part of verse 24, 1 Corinthians 12. God has blended together the body. All the parts of the body are necessary. All the parts, they're not only necessary, but they're valuable. Every part is valuable. We don't lose our individuality by being in unity. That's something I think we see, and we saw it about a year and a half ago on the spiritual gifts uh, topic that I preached about. We don't lose our individuality. We're not cookie cutters. You remember you had those Play-Doh factories, and you'd stick the Play-Doh in the top and push the thing down, and you could make a certain thing that would squeeze out in a star shape or some other shapes, and then cut them off with a little plastic knife and build forts and cool stuff. Well, we're not like that. The Holy Spirit doesn't put a mold out there and say, okay, you're all going to look like this. Because otherwise it would be like, hello, I am a part of the body and I look like every other part. It's not that way. That's just not the way we are. 
all the parts are necessary and valuable because we need all those different results to take place so that the overall mission can be accomplished. Sometimes people will plant a seed. Sometimes people will cultivate the soil. Sometimes people will pour on the water. Some will be able to actually reap the harvest. That's another analogy that Paul had used in a different place. But each part is necessary, and we're all member together of all of that. Let me give you an example, and i got to give a big shout-out to our stream team. They had no idea, and neither did I, what I was asking them to do months ago when we said, we need to buy some new equipment, and we need to stream our services when we get back together in person. I don't even know how you spell that, but these guys have had to cross so many hurdles. It's a very complicated system. It's, in a sense, this system is kind of like a portable television studio. I'm not kidding. And they're doing such a great job. And I likened, the analogy I had was that we bought this new car. And it was shiny. And it even had that new car smell. And it even had plastic covering all the little parts. It was beautiful. And then we got to the school and found out that they had all this cybersecurity in place. So we couldn't even start the engine to our new car. So we had this great new car sitting in the driveway, but we haven't been able to drive it. And then last week, thanks to Mike Howell and some other people who told him about this thing that they did, they start telling me all the, you know, we're going to put some Zip Sam and a little 409 and we're going to put the B67 on there and crank it up to about a three because of the parameters and you know, I just glaze over. I, I just smile and say, I'm glad you guys are making it work. But we started the car last week. Yay. And so now we're going to start tweaking it and we're going to start uh, harmonizing the carbs and whatever it is that we need to do. But we're going to really get this thing fine-tuned until we get better gas mileage on our new car. And they're getting better and better, and they're learning every week, as am I. We're all learning stuff as we get back into this. But I'm here to tell you that I know that God knew this was going to happen. It was no surprise to Him. And we've gotten some feedback already. And you should be really pleased to know that all these efforts from people who don't look exactly alike, but we're harmonizing those efforts for the same person, you're reaching people that we could not reach otherwise. And hello, people who are being reached. Thank you for joining us. We're so delighted because we're looking to see at the numbers of people who have started to join us, either live streamed right now in real time or those who are watching later. And I'm amazed. I'm frankly rather shocked. And so it's just one of those examples of what happens when people put their mind to it and as many frustrations as we have had to deal with, and I know many of you have, you've persisted. And my hat is off to you guys. Thanks for getting the car going. Now, where am I? Um, yes, as in 1 Corinthians 12, one part of the body should not act as though they don't need the other parts. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. But what about those times when, like we've had not too long ago, a storm comes in and just knocks trees down into the power lines and our electricity goes out? And then you've got this pitch black house and your hand is feeling its way along the wall trying to find that drawer where you keep the matches so that you can light the candle. I think that little Miss I needs to say, you know, Mr. Hand is pretty handy. 
I'm really glad that Mr. Hand is on the part of the body right now. We can't say from one to the other, I don't need you. We need all those parts. And that's what Paul is trying to do as an analogy to show what happens in the body of Christ as well. I mean, what would our bodies be like if each part decided to act more important than the other parts? It would make things challenging when cooking supper, for example, or painting a picture. That would be tough for me. Or playing football. Sometimes we need a, a little coordination of all the parts in order for the overall mission to be accomplished. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, what would it look like? I, this is a little what if, and I'm doing it somewhat tongue-in-cheek. I've taken some inspiration from the Babylon Bee. I've written my own. This does not come from the Babylon Bee, but I like their satire because sometimes it takes a little laughter to show us the truth. And so I've written these down. I take credit for it. If you hate them, I'm to blame. What would happen if every single person in the body had the exact same preferences that we do or that I do? How about with the style of music? Same preferences. Only hymns are heavenly. They are, after all, the only worship songs with solid theology, as any real Christian knows. <laughs> Here's another one. Only worship songs satisfy the soul, and they have to be written less than 10 years ago. Because my Bible says, sing a new song to the Lord. Or only a cappella is angelic. Because I grew up in a church that did it that way. Plus, it's a lot closer to Gregorian chant which is so esoteric and religious that no secular person would ever be caught dead singing that style of music. I kind of like Gregorian chant, by the way. Only scriptural instruments should be used, which means, of course, electricity is right out because they didn't have electricity in Jesus' day. So that means no, no electrical instruments, and you can only use the harp, Lyre, a wooden flute, can't be metal, tambourine, a shofar, high cymbals, loud cymbals, finger cymbals, bells, and don't forget, bagpipes. Only the choir and orchestra can be used. Only the choir and orchestra, like the Mormon tabernacle choir, but Protestant. And because... We all know classical music rocks. And only like that stadium-sized cool church on TV. That's how we need to do it because I feel so close to God when I'm watching that church's praise team. Or, and this one I love, only precisely the way I want it. Because, and I say this with all humility and in a spirit of being spiritual, I'm just closer to God than the rest of you guys. And God has revealed to me personally how true worshipers should worship. So, how about teaching and preaching style preferences? What if everyone in our church had the exact same... I must be growing a new ear because this thing keeps getting loose. What if, what if everyone in our church had the same preference for Bible teaching or preaching styles that I do. Well, we all know that verse by verse is for the universe. 
Hey, if it's good enough for the apostles who wrote it one verse at a time, it should be good enough for us. Or how about topical messages are relevant because we must answer questions people are actually asking. And I hate to point out, but I've preached a lot of verse-by-verse messages, and I hope that they're relevant too and that we're actually answering questions when we do that. But how about apologetics contend for the faith? Because Paul tells us that we must contend for the faith in this wicked culture of ours, and we need intellectually stimulating messages for real thinking Christians. Which assumes, of course, that the rest of you all aren't really real thinking Christians. And how about this one? Stimwinder preaching cranks me up! Because even a good watch needs to be rewound. And I always feel my blood pumping when I hear a good pulpit pounder. Well, how about communion methodology? Come to the table. Why do we do it that way? Because that's what the song says that we sing every time that we do communion. Or how about we have to pass the elements? Well, why do we do that? Well, because it's quicker and the musicians don't have to play twice through the communion song. Or how about just one cup? It has to be one cup. Because the Bible says that Jesus took the cup, not each disciple took a shot glass. Besides, the Bible also says there's one faith and one Lord and one baptism. So shouldn't it also be one cup? I think you've gotten the point. I probably beat this dead horse to death. But here's a passage of Scripture that I think is going to add some relevance and some practical application. And I'm going to read it verse by verse. Very topical of me. All right, Galatians 3, 26 through 29. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Here's the application. In Christ, there is neither hymn singer nor contemporary worship song singer, neither a cappella singer nor praise band backed singer, neither verse by verse disciples nor topical disciples. In Christ, there are neither stem winder worshipers nor intellectual apologetics worshipers, neither come to the table communion takers nor pass the element takers, because you are all one in Jesus Christ. And in verse 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let me give you a hypothetical situation. I thought about this hypothetical situation last Friday morning at 3.30 a.m. How do I know that? Because I looked right at the clock and thought, why am I awake now? (laughs) But here's the hypothetical situation. Let's talk about that comic strip that says, Coffee with Jesus. That's probably what prompted this thought. But let's say that Jesus comes down to have coffee with all of you all and with every other member of every body of Christ in the world. And because you're biblically knowledgeable, you're probably already saying, it's already unbiblical. Because the next time he comes back, it's going to be at the second coming. That's why 
I'm saying, okay, let's say that this was a dream. Because it says the young men will dream dream and the old men will have visions. Or maybe it's vice versa. I don't know if I'm old or young, but I had a vision because I was not asleep. (laughs) So let's call this a vision, shall we? And that makes it palatable. And it's hypothetical, so humor me. All right, so Christ comes down and he's sitting across the table from you and he says, what's been going on? And he listens for an hour and a half as you pour out your soul and your heart to him about how difficult this last 18 months has been. And he listens empathetically and he he lets you pour it all out. And when you finally exhausted yourself and you've gotten it all out onto the table, so to speak, he says, I am really sorry. I'm genuinely sorry that you've had it so rough this last 18 months. I really am. And I empathize with you. I know what it's like to have a rough time. He says, now I've got a little problem and I need some help from you. Would you be willing to help me? And you think, well, that's not what I expected. I mean, first of all, for Jesus to have a problem is not what I expected. And then for him to ask me if I can help him with his problem, that's a very unexpected thing. But you say, sure, I guess, if I can help. He says, well, I've noticed something while I've been speaking with all these members of all the bodies of Christ around the world. Here's the thing. There are too many personal preferences represented in the bodies of Christ. And here's how I would like you to help. I would like you to choose just one personal preference and lay it down at the foot of my cross. And you think, hmm. And you say, as you're thinking about Jesus' request, and you ask, "Uh, Jesus, is it possible that you could help me identify a personal preference so that I'll know which one to lay down? And he says, sure. Here's how you can identify the personal preference that I would like for you to lay down. What makes you so frustrated and so distracted either throughout your week or when you're even in a worship setting like this that you find it so difficult to just open up to me and focus on me because you're that distracted with that thing? And you're thinking, oh boy. And your mind goes back instantly to the previous week. (laughs) Because you know immediately what you've been dwelling upon. I know I did at 3.30 a.m. And I knew exactly what I was dealing with at that moment. And then you look across and when you see Jesus, first of all, you see tremendous compassion and love just shining back at you. But you also see that knowing gleam in his eye. And you think, oh yeah, he's omniscient, isn't he? So he knows exactly what just came into my mind. And so you say, okay, well, I think I know what it is. And he says, so what do you think? Would you help me with this? Are you willing to lay that thing down at the foot of my cross? And you picture that issue, that issue that you've been dealing with. The one that's kept you from focusing on worship. The one that has cranked you up and tied you into knots. And you picture laying it down at the foot of his cross, and you realize that it was on that very cross where Jesus had laid down every single one of his personal preferences. And he did so for your sake. And you think, I think I probably should. And he says, could you lay down down that one personal preference, knowing that by doing so, 
Someone who is far from me will be drawn into a loving, transforming, eternal relationship with me. And I would say, well, what do you say to him? I know what I said to him, because I know what things, and it wasn't just one for me. (laughs) But I know what I told Jesus about that. You don't have to answer right away. Think about it. And then I'll bring it up in just a couple of minutes as we wrap up today. Well, in our current culture, we are a consumeristic culture, in case you haven't noticed. I think that it's probably very likely, in fact, I would say it's assured that any local body of believers will have a collection of people who have personal preferences. And many of those preferences are not going to match up perfectly with other people's preferences. But guess what? We're not the first culture to have dealt with that. And Paul the Apostle knew that because Paul wrote these words that we read to the culture that was like that in Corinth and in Rome. Different gifts, when blended, since he says God has blended together the body, it makes for a beautiful picture of Christ. Let me give this illustration, a visual illustration. Picture number one, each preference is kept very solidly separate from the other preferences because you're guarding your preference with your life. And so each one stands out, and they're just like these big blocks of Legos, but they're not blended together amongst lots of other Legos. So each preference is separate. Picture number two, some preferences have been blended with other preferences, but not all. Some people are saying, I'm willing to lay down a few of my preferences. We're focusing more on a common purpose instead of focusing just on what each of us thinks ought to be. And then picture number three, there's a lot of blending that's occurring here. We've maintained our individuality. We each have our different God-given colors, different gifts, but we're giving them up for the sake of the rest of the body and for those that we're trying to reach that those people who don't know Christ yet or who need to know Him better. So we're laying down our personal preferences and notice how Jesus is seen so much more clearly when these preferences are blended together in the body of Christ. A beautiful thing. I've told this story a couple of times before. I'm getting old enough now that I can't remember if I've told them before. And so if it's the 10th time I've told it, you just need to look up and just... Act like you're really enjoying it. But when Joy and I planted a church in 1991, the same year our daughter Callie was born, we had some amazing committed volunteers that were a part of that body of Christ. And we were thinking outside the box. We were doing weird stuff back then for us, including having a puppet show. And we had a puppet stage so that during the actual worship service, this was not often a fellowship hall It was not for Awana. It was right during the service, and we had this puppet show. And a friend of mine, Bill, who did a really good Mr. Ed-style voice, was the horse. And he kind of sounded a little bit like this. And it was so fun. But I was afraid that my father, who had been a preacher for years, bivocational, was going to think, oh boy, my son, has his cheese has slid right off the cracker. Because he's doing some crazy stuff in the middle of church, and we shouldn't do that in church. That should be reserved for somewhere else. So I went up to him after the service, because we had our big launch service, and we had the puppet show, and I said, Dad, I've been a little worried about what you would think about some of our methods. And he got 
more emotional than I expected. He got kind of teary-eyed. And he said, oh, son, don't you worry about that. He said, if it'll reach people for Christ, I'm for it. And I thought, that's the attitude. (laughs) That was the crystallization of Paul's thoughts when he said, I'll be all things to all people so that some might be saved. That's the crystallization of this message where he says, it takes all of us doing our little part, blending it together, laying our personal preferences down for the sake of those who are desperate for what only Christ can give. Paul's concept takes our focus away from ourselves and it puts it on the people who are our mission. He takes it seriously. Why should we take it seriously? Because God took it seriously. Christ took it seriously. He knew His disciples were going to be terribly unsettled after Jesus was arrested and crucified. And this prayer was given by Christ just before all this took place. So this is really toward the very end. He says this in John 17, starting at verse 10. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united, just as we are. Jesus is saying that He wants the same kind of closeness, that being one together in the body of Christ that He enjoys with the Heavenly Father. He's the model, and He's the power, because it's the Spirit of Christ that gives us the power to do that. So here's the so that. I've been so big on the so that, because it's the purpose that drives us forward. Verse 20, I'm praying not only for these disciples, knowing that they were going to be hurting when he was crucified, not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that This is the purpose. So that the world will believe that you sent me. You know what that shows us? When we are of one mind and heart in mission to reach people for the lost, and when we lay down our personal preferences for the sake of the gospel, the world sees that. And they don't see a lot of that in the world. They're only going to see that in the church. And they're going to be drawn to that because they'll be hungry for that kind of compassion and love and unity. So whatever we do as a church in this next few months at Living Water, it's going to determine whether we really get it when it comes to this biblical mission of ours. We exist to be Christ-like toward one another in unity and toward those who need Christ. Christ did that. He modeled it for us. He hung out with the marginalized and the outcast, the lepers, the wanton women, the tax collectors, people who are wrestling with their demons. 
you and me. If our efforts to help outsiders become insiders, those who will first feel that they belong so that they can believe, then it's going to require all of us to lay down some of our preferences. And I pray that we'll see every little sacrificial gift as we lay each one of those little preferences down so that we can do all that we can with the Spirit's empowerment to become one in this purpose of ours. I think that all those can become little tiny offerings given to the Lord as we lay them down at the foot of the cross. Now, that brings me back to my question. What are you willing to lay down? Did you think of one when I was giving that hypothetical situation? Are you willing to lay that preference down at the foot of Jesus' cross? And if so, I'm going to lead us in a prayer and let's spend just a moment doing that. Let's lay down our preferences at the foot of the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I see so strongly in myself that I am rather opinionated when it comes to many things. And you have pointed that out to me abundantly in this last week. And I see how difficult it is in myself to want to let go of certain preferences. And I'm grateful that you've given us some guidance in your word through the Apostle Paul and through Christ and what he shared with his disciples just before he gave the ultimate sacrifice by laying down his preferences. And I pray that you'll give me the courage and the strength and the wisdom to lay down my preferences, not because I want to lose individuality, because I'm grateful that you allow us to maintain individuality while still being integrally combined and blended together with the other members of the body of Christ. But I pray that as all of us do that, laying down these preferences, you'll do something supernaturally huge in the way of reaching those people who need to feel that they belong so that they can believe. And I pray you'll continue to do that as we just keep striving after this mission that you have given us in your word. Thank you for giving us the power to do that. We give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.